0: The cream. what is up freaks welcome back to tales from the crypt we're here on a thursday night we're drinking again on this podcast uh, excuse me we are drinking again on this podcast i forgot to hand my guest a beer before we started it's poor form on my part it's a bit poor form um and sorry sorry matt it's uh it's it's we've been away from the boozing podcast i feel like the last four episodes have been coffee podcasts in the morning Had to take advantage of blockchain week, you know, everybody wants to go out at night, got to get people in here early in the morning. Um, But today we have our first repeat guest, you guys have already heard him. We've got uh, Matt Corallo back on the podcast. Matt, welcome back.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: We don't have to go through your tail, it's already been said on this podcast, but uh, uh, there you go. Now you can tell it's a drinking podcast again. Um. But yeah, the first time you were on December eighth is when we recorded. I did did a little backtracking to figure that out. December eighth, two thousand seventeen. The price of Bitcoin was fourteen thousand six hundred twenty dollars. Uh, a lot has happened since then. It's May twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen. Year of our Lord, and we live in a different world. Yeah. How I would you describe uh, the last six seven months? Uh, it's been a
1: roller coaster. Uh, I think a lot of people have changed their view of the cryptocurrency space. I mean obviously over the last few years the name of the game has been moving from well, payments and bitcoin and whatever to well, we're going to put a token on everything and build apps and whatever and uh, so that's changed a lot. Uh, and obviously that went through its own hype cycle and that drove a whole hype cycle of I mean you mentioned the price was what 14,000, went mm-hmm. up to I guess we touched 19,000 and change, touched almost te- touched 20 yeah. on uh, a few exchanges. And then yeah, there was a little bit of a crash, um, which has been kind of stable since then. I mean, obviously not stable. We've been anywhere from, what, 6,000, 7,000 to 9,000 again.
0: We've had a bit of a trough here, a little capitulation trough, I feel like. Um, Things are bouncing between, like, six and 9,000.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're bouncing a little bit there. But that's been kind of nice. The hype has died down ever so slightly, but there's still a lot of hype. There's still a lot of hype going on. <laughs> Uh, a lot of, I mean, it was this week, what was it? The Verge? Was that the, uh, Ooh. the Verge? which I feel like that's got to that. Some kind of copyright trademark violation. It's like the Verge there's website. There's a publication, right? And there's yeah. a publication called The Verge. Yeah. That was a crypto, anyway. The, this is crypto and open source like, horribly broken, but the price is still relatively robust. It's kind of hilarious.
0: Well, they got 51% attacks, correct? Yeah. Because
1: so, of a bug. I mean, it wasn't that someone had more hash power. It was because of a bug that allowed someone to pretend to be 51%. Yeah,
0: so what it was with Verge, Verge is a multi-algorithm that lets many, it it, it it basically revolves between five mining algorithms, and one of the mining algorithms script, I believe, was given an unfair advantage to be able to like fake that ahead.
1: I think any of them could have the unfair advantage, but mm-hmm. the pr- this particular attacker used script okay. just because it was easy to get his hands on.
0: Yeah, and he fifty-one uh, percent attacked the chain, and I think he he made out like a m- like million and a half dollars from exchanges, right?
1: Yeah, someone was saying uh, like fifty k a minute for the duration of the attack or something like that. It's crazy. Which, I mean, you figure what they put in maybe a week or two of work. It's a good ROI. Yeah, that seems like a pretty good deal.
0: But it uh. It alludes to uh to an interesting problem of centralization and uh so that's that's an example of centralization of hash power. Uh one article that we were talking about before we hopped in the studio here was the medium post. Gotta love a good medium post <laughs> that stopped <laughs> in the crypt uh posted last night, I believe, or yesterday early morning, uh about uh Ethereum full nodes and sort of the the mystique around them. It's really nobody really knows how many full nodes there are, I'm sort of getting lost in what is constituted as a full node on Ethereum's (laughs) network. It feels like they're abstracting away everything. Um, So did you read that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I read read a good chunk of it. Uh, It goes into a little bit of detail, uh, without describing it in full detail, but it goes into a little bit of detail of all the different types of nodes on the Ethereum network. Obviously there's your standard just client node that doesn't validate anything, whatever. But they also have a number of different types of full, semi-full, whatever nodes. A lot of them will not actually do any historical validation. They'll start up, ask their peers what the current state of the chain is, download that, and then kind of run from there. Uh, There's a lot of them that do more. They actually validate and then throw away the data, which is akin to kind of pruning mode in Bitcoin, and it's still a full node where you fully validate everything. You're not trusting someone else to just lie to you, lie to your face. But you don't have necessarily keep the data. And then there's obviously the nodes that keep all of the data, which has become now, I guess, over a
0: terabyte of data. I mean, forget full sync, but that's the thing. Like, they're abstracting away the definition of a full node, and it's like, they'll play. I don't know if it's like Orwellian, like it's like Vitalik with this Bitcoin maximalism, like Orwellian word speak, but they're just like, mm-hmm. you don't need to validate the full state to have yeah. the full history. But it's like, at the end, like I always ask, I've been asking this question for like a year now. Like, at the end of the day, somebody has you have to reference the full state at some point, correct? Like, yeah, I mean,
1: someone has to validate this stuff. Right? <laughs> Otherwise, you're kind of screwed. I mean, what, what is somewhat frightening is that I, I think most of their clients, they kind of default to this partial this, this state where you just kind of download whatever the current state is. You trust miners and, and your peers. Um, what, what's really frightening is they had those bugs, I don't know, it was probably two or three years ago, in one of their clients where there was a major DOS attack. Uh, it was, I guess, this was pre CryptoKitties, but mm-hmm. it was a major DOS attack, and the nodes were just not able to keep up because of inefficiencies in the software. And the solution that people told, uh, that was, you know, told to people on Reddit and whatnot, was here: just restart your node. It'll redo this fast sync thing. It'll just trust its peers, and you'll skip validating the hard parts. Well, I mean. <sighs> let's imagine for a moment that someone slipped in some money stealing transaction or slipped in something that was actually invalid in these hard parts in these DOS attacks well no one would have validated it if it weren't for the fact that they had more than they have this other implementation of course now at this point the implementations are just uh they they're not fast enough to keep up so it's <laughs> getting to the point where they only have one implementation but you know imagine you saw this attack and everyone was just restarting, no one would have validated the chain. (laughs) Like,
0: oops, the miner can just steal the money. Uh, Sorry, guys. That's just the way it is. And this (laughs) is like... So this is one thing with... uh, I hate that I have to pick on Ethereum again. But this is like one thing um, that really annoys me. They're always like moving the goalpost. So like the definition of a full node is like the the goalpost is moved on that. Like now you can you only need to validate block headers to be considered a full node or something like that a <laughs> full node in sync mode, whatever, Which, yeah, but somebody on reddit, I'm debating whether or not to read this whole thing because I know how like reading on air uh is awkward, and this isn't too long, but he made a great point j m w seventy four uh I see people we'll get to the we'll get to the meat of it actually to be to be perfectly frank, I get why people are critical of ethereum. It's always adding more complexity to add to address uh, people's objections. And then when the new complexity has objections, even more complexity is added. Touring complete? Not scalable. We'll do warp syncing. Not, enough good, not good enough? Spoonism there. We'll add sharding. Sharding insecure? We'll add fraud proofs. Fraud proofs not good enough? We'll add ZK snarks. Insufficiently specified economic properties? We'll add POS. POS not secure enough? We'll add long-range attack mitigation. Not enough? We'll add complex slashing conditions. For Pete's sake... It just never ends, and it does never
1: end. No, it really, it really does never end. And I I like his hit on sharding there, because, like, yeah, that the ultimate moving the goalpost in this space was like, oh, well, no one can run a full node because it costs too much, and you have to have, you know, a, a five SSDs in your computer all in Razer or whatever. All of a sudden you say, oh, well, we're going to shard, and then, oops, wait, now, instead of no one is validating this because they can't, it's... No one is validating all of this, and when something in inevitably happens that's incorrect, uh, oops! No one was no one was validating that particular one. So they were validating the other ones because they can't keep up. <laughs> so when does this come to a head? Do you think? I don't know when this. I mean, the, there's so much low-hanging fruit. Like talk about the Verge thing. It's just like horribly broken protocol design, and that this that thing's been around for. Years, wow. and, yeah, and it has had a relatively high price, relatively high market cap, deep markets, so you can sell your winnings. And it took this long. Right? Right. I mean, like, you want to talk about someone attacking a more complicated system? I mean, you add complexity, and then all of a sudden, no one can break it. Not because it's secure, just because it takes so freaking long to analyze the thing and actually break it. And that's
0: the interesting part we're touching on here. So there's multiple forms of centralization like mining like Verge went down to mining centralization people are arguing that ethereum's at risk because of full node centralization mm. and um there's so yeah so that's um what i wanted to segue into is a lot of people on twitter are saying this week now that like the ico easy money has dried up now we're going to see like black hats come out and start attacking these networks to profit that way you know, whether it be via a 51% attack on on Verge, or uh, I don't know how you would attack Ethereum in this case, but people are going to start to find other ways to, to make money. Well, there was,
1: there was a particularly gnarly vulnerability in Ethereum clients uh, maybe a month ago uh, where you could be one connection to an Ethereum client and blind them to the valid chain. So you could just, instead of having to have 51% of hash power to get transactions to confirm that aren't actually confirmed, you now have to have, like, I don't know, maybe one, two, five, like, just enough to create some blocks and you can make them not see the rest of the chain, and you only have to be one peer. So, like, someone could have used that if you knew where an exchange's uh, node was, you could have used that to just blatantly steal money from the exchange. Holy uh, shit. Potentially in large volume. Right, so there's a lot of these really subtle attacks that people spend time worrying about that you know, people, you know, developers spend time worrying about, but we just haven't seen anything exploited yet. Maybe, as you mentioned, because the easy money was still there, right?
0: Yes, we're we're treading into into weird territory. Mm-hmm. It's uh, funny how these cycles come and go, and then
1: it'll be interesting to see if the market learns anything. I mean, it didn't learn. anything learned from verge. Verge learned. got popped like twice in <laughs> you know, a week because they were incompetent. And the market's still like, ah, you know, the price should be fine. Like, yeah, well, probably fine.
0: That's the thing, these vulnerabilities though might put the onus on exchanges to like shut down some of these coins that, that aren't secure because then to an extent like they have a lot of liability if they're they're holding people's Yeah. People's money on their exchanges. Like,
1: I, I think it's gonna be the first exchange who gets sued over something like this before like you know, they have liability <laughs> A uh, cryptocurrency of some kind, like Verge, gets popped, and the exchange just like doesn't turn the wallet back on, and eventually, you know, they get double spent or something, and then they they lose a lot of money. That's going to be the first time anything actually happens here. But I mean, most of these exchanges, like a lot of these exchanges, have kept things listed, where the, the chain just like wasn't running, whatever, and no one noticed. Right? Because no one cares like oh well here's this other thing with this three letter acronym and price (laughs) and a chart and i'm just gonna trade it transactions who does those especially on the the cryptocurrencies that are just on like one exchange because they're like super esoteric weird Mm -hmm. shit coin whatever
0: probably on cryptopia
1: (laughs) (laughs) they're on like just these random exchanges that i just haven't even heard of um a lot of those just like they Keep trading even when there's some bug and the thing's, like, not even running. I'm just like, how did that, the fuck? How did no one notice this?
0: Yeah, we got a lot to learn. Yeah. I mean, this has been going on for years. This has been going back to 2014. Mm-hmm. 2013. Later, 2013, yeah. Yeah, 2013, like, I think we'll learn eventually. It's just going to take enough people to be like, stop messing with this. Uh Not worth it.
1: I hope so. I mean the entire space right now is super high on everything is gonna have a token, there's gonna be a blockchain for everything. I don't know. I think everyone is gonna like put in tons of security effort and secure their own blockchain for their own weird esoteric app, and that's totally gonna result in a secure and mature ecosystem of a ton of different coins, none of which are exploitable like the Verge.
0: Well, I think I think, like, I think this wave of shitty ideas is getting called out in earnest, like in a good way. Like, there's a lot of public shaming going on. Like, no, this isn't going to work. How many times do people have to learn this lesson? Um, I could be wrong, though. Maybe that's my bubble. bubble. I think we're in a bubble. We're definitely in a bubble. There's like Like a a Bitcoin bubble, a a mental bubble, (laughs) or or like a Twitter bubble. (laughs) uh, Like
1: you know, there's the like Bitcoiners on Twitter who are calling this stuff out. And then there's the people trading on the market who haven't even noticed that it had a bug, and then there's the VCs. You know, there's some big name, uh, popular VCs in Silicon Valley who I yeah. don't want to call out by name, but boy, they could learn a lesson from this. And they probably I think won't. they will. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's so much financial incentive for them not to, because they've been pumping ICOs like nothing, I think this is a case and have made a shitload of money on it too.
0: Yeah, it's true, but I think this is a case of the market, I mean, like the saying goes, the market will remain illogical far longer than you can remain solvent. I'm not saying I'm going short or long against these guys' portfolios, but um, I think that we're like just in a logical state, and it can stay illogical for a time, but I think logic will prevail at the end of the day, and these guys will just learn a harsh lesson via reality, whether it be... Black hack hackers attacking the networks that they feel are 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 secure. Um, but we'll see. Let's get back to the I mean d- logic uh, yeah, go for uh, it, go one, for it. one more
1: point. the The problem with logic prevailing is logic prevails on the current type of scam. Right So back in 2012, 2013, all literally all it was was I took the Bitcoin code base, I changed the name to something else and I released it maybe with a pre-mine, some trading, whatever, and made a bunch of money on that. And the market was really excited about that for a bit. I mean, sure it was a tiny market, but the market was really excited about that for a bit. And then eventually, yeah, the market prevailed and learned its lesson and came around and said, actually, no, that's utter bullshit. Why are you, it's like, what? <laughs> you haven't done anything. <laughs> Why are we buying this crap? And then there was a second generation of random altcoin scams, and there were, like, mostly hand-wavy technical things and stuff that they just barely made it work. Actually, kind of more akin to ICOs, but on Bitcoin, on... Uh, you'd take the Bitcoin code base, change the name, and talk about all kinds of fantastical things you're going to do. Maybe you'd implement some small fraction of it, and... Rick Creighton's made, again.
0: like, 60% of the spinoffs, for <laughs> sure. He's
1: made a few of them. Um, and then after that, the market took a while, and they eventually learned. But by the time the market learned, there was already this next generation of ICO scam where like, okay, we're doing these ICOs, they're great, we're going to issue a token for the creation of our crazy prediction market that will, of course, never actually work. And the market is maybe slowly going to learn that some of those just don't make any sense. I mean, hell, a lot of them are outright Ponzi schemes and the market still values them. BitConnect, I'm looking at you. There's <laughs> still value to it. Like, I, I don't understand it. Even, mu- it's absurd. But the market learns, but the scammers are more creative than the market, at exactly. least in my experience.
0: We're getting more creative scammers. There's scammers everywhere, folks. They're coming for your Bitcoin. Don't, <laughs> don't get them up. I um, tend to agree. Yeah. I think, again, I've been talking about this as well. Like, I think the catalyst for people, like, sort of consolidating and being like, we should probably just focus on Bitcoin or OneCoin in particular uh, will be something geopolitical where these these networks are getting attacked whether it be by a nation state or uh, the geopolitical situation around the world goes to shit and you really need to consolidate around one protocol at that point. Yeah, um, I
1: mean, I think uh, the space has kind of divided into what I think are wholly tangential ideas, right? There's the Bitcoin view or the monetary view of like we're going to build a new monetary system. We're going to build this payment system on like lightning or some other whatever and we're going to build a store of value and it's going to be resistant to government change and whatever we're going to build this awesome monetary system. And then there's also this entirely tangential thing which happens to also be claiming the term cryptocurrency of we're going to build these decentralized apps and you're going to have prediction markets and you're going to have this and that and all kinds of things and and the internet's going to be decentralized again and it's going to be great. And I think a lot of that, A, I think they're just wholly separate things. They're entirely working towards different goals and obviously I'm incredibly skeptical of almost all of the various decentralized app attempts. I think most of them end up just turning into a centralized app because that's the only way to actually make it work, and now you also just happen to have this token attached to it mm-hmm. but let's not confuse the two. They use the term cryptocurrency, both of them, and they trade on the same exchanges, but honestly, they have almost nothing in common, right? I mean, when we're talking about ethereum, we're talking about like, well, you know the Ethereum guys like to make trade-offs and like to have a more de- uh, more centralized network and and some of them complain about it, but a lot of the people kind of in charge, quote-unquote, just don't care. They're open to being more centralized. And that may be fine but, but for they don't these say it apps. But they don't say it overtly,
0: though. Oh, Of course not. And it it's never false overtly, marketing. Right? It is
1: definitely false, false marketing
0: there. Torn completeness was a red herring.
1: The D apps are actually C apps. <laughs> They're all centralized <laughs> as fuck.
0: Right? So let's go into this layers of centralization. We have mining centralization, full node centralization, uh, there you control f- centralization, figurehead. Yeah, exactly, figurehead mm-hmm. centralization. I don't know. Vitalik's been arguing that he's not a central authority; has no. He, uh, the Ethereum community will make decisions for themselves, and his say won't have a.
1: Yeah, but the precedent is that the developers decide. I, and, and honestly, it's probably true of Vitalik. But there's a very small group of developers who together can almost anything and that community wouldn't fight back against it only because that's the thing they opted into. They opted into Ethereum where these developers are going to take care of the network and we want that or they want that because otherwise they would be using Ethereum Classic or something like that,
0: right? Yeah. Let's play devil's advocate here. What would uh, the rebuttal be? Like, Don't Bitcoiners do the same thing with Bitcoin Core? Would you say Bitcoin Core is more decentralized?
1: I think Bitcoin core is not but i think we have a healthier community uh of people who fight back on everything yeah right i think we have uh, from segwit 2x and also especially from the uh uasf and BIP whatever 148 148 from that we learned a lot of the community doesn't eh, i mean they care but also they don't care all that much about what the various Bitcoin core contributors have to say. That's true. We were almost all against 148. We were almost all against 148 based on the current community. Mm -hmm. Sure, you know, uh, the Bitcoin core community of contributors was kind of split as to whether or not it was a good idea in principle, but almost everyone in that community of contributors to Bitcoin core, with the exception of one or two people, thought that the community had clearly not developed the type of consensus that we wanted to see in order to activate something like BIP-148 UASF. And yet, there was a huge chunk of the community, I mean clearly the most vocal part of the Bitcoin community online, was staunchly in favor of this stuff.
0: Right. Hashtags in the uh, Twitter names. The, Twitter the hats, names. man. The, hats. the UASF a lot of hats. hats. Um, I hope you bought stock and hack companies last year. <laughs> yeah, they must have done well, man.
1: Uh, but, but I think that that is a great example of the Bitcoin community quote-unquote rising up against the developers.
0: And Bit148 was written by an anonymous dev, wasn't it? Shal- I believe it, Shaolin Fry. Yeah, Shal- uh, it yeah. yeah,
1: was just submitted on yeah. But, yeah. I mean, compare that to Ethereum. There There is no equivalent here is the community fighting back against the developers trying to do X, Y, or Z. Th- no. Th- there's no equivalent
0: there. No. There's a, there's a bit of intellectual... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're drinking again. I'm losing brain cells on this one. <laughs> they basically hand off their, their critical thinking to de- developers, whereas the Bitcoin community with UASF a lot of a lot of full node operators were critically thinking for themselves and like, no, we want this. Yeah, and we've said this a bunch of times on this podcast, but the intolerant minority won that battle, and that's uh, what runs these consensus mechan- mechanisms.
1: The intolerant, me- the intolerant minority, won the battle by convincing everyone to get together and. The UASF SegWit activation thing kind of concluded by everyone finding a path in which they got to claim that they won. <laughs> right? The UASF guys were like, all right, look, we, like, the UASF software stayed active, SegWit got activated, we won. And the anti UASF 2X whatever community got to say, like, oh, well, no, 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 we activated, it was BIP91 activated SegWit. Clearly, Segwit 2X won that and, of course, fell apart later. So, everyone just kind of figured out the way that they got to claim that they won.
0: Yeah, because BIP-91 was what? Well. Segwit first and then 2X the, six, six months after or something Yeah, like that. we're
1: locking in Segwit and Segwit 2X, but we haven't finished Segwit 2X. And also, it has bugs and oops, well, whatever. It doesn't even work. Yeah. But the Segwit part happened, so, you
2: know.
0: Yeah, this yeah. Whatever. And I was actually talking to Jameson about Segwit last week, and he, was, he framed Segwit adoption in a way that I haven't thought about it uh, up to this point, which was, it's it's good. He was happy that Segwit adoption's around 30%, because it leaves a lot of upside to sort of scale the network at a steady pace going forward.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, like, with, with fees where they are, and block space not full, you know, we don't want to completely hit a wall like we did last time, where it's like, okay well, crap, we have more demand, demand is highly inelastic, supply is completely static, oops, fees just shoot through the roof. Well, there's a lot of room for people to improve things like batching and SegWit adoption and whatnot so that we can make that a little bit more of a gradual thing.
0: Yeah, and it won't won't be so much of a... The issue won't be as forced as it was with SegWit adoption.
1: Yeah, and, and with Lightning adoption starting to become a practically possible thing at least for small values. You know, all of a sudden again that makes demand for transactions on the chain significantly more elastic, which means you're not going to see this stupid high spike of fee rates once you start to see more block
0: space demand. Yeah. There's actually a good argument to be made that we like might be fighting for smaller blocks at some point cuz we need higher fees to subsidize the, the block reward. Yeah,
1: it's certainly kind of worrying where we are right now, where it's right? just no fees. Let's
0: get into this. Like we need so when's the next block reward? Twenty twenty? Block reward having.
1: Something like that.
0: So that'll go from twelve and a half to six point two five Bitcoin. So we probably got like twelve years of having a yeah. block reward above one Bitcoin. That so, I mean
1: I've yeah, I've been saying kind of maybe we don't need it this block reward but the next having man you're gonna I need mean, to subsidize that reward yeah we're gonna do something
0: we're only we're not even a decade in yet so we got how many block reward have we have been do two
1: we've had two we've had two havings.
0: so two from now
1: another another two having or i guess it's at this point one and a half yeah i think it's starting to look you know we really got to we can't rely on the f- on the price doubling every 4 years that's kind of an insane security <laughs> assumption because you know another 20 years down the road oops we've taken over the entire monetary supply of the world like okay maybe that's realistic to some people
0: <laughs>
1: 30 years down the road oops we've now like wait what no the math doesn't work guys
0: yeah so it'll like it'll be interesting to see how that pans out
1: it will be. It will be very interesting to see how that pans out.
0: Onward. And I would argue that we have to decentralize the network further before the demand gets that high, because the network needs to be as secure as possible.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, the the worry with, with the fees not being sufficient to subsidize mining, it's not necessarily... I mean, A, it is also that you won't have enough fees to subsidize the value in the network. It'll become cheaper to attack the network than necessarily the value in the network. But also, if you have less of a reward for miners potentially that means mining gets more centralized. That means you just have less opportunity to fill some niche be a small part of the network get a little bit of that reward but fill it because you have you know some slightly more efficient way of getting power. Maybe you have interruptible power somewhere or something like that. Yeah, But that doesn't work if you just can't reach the scale you would need to fill that niche because there just isn't enough demand, there isn't enough reward for miners. So potentially, that could even make mining more centralized.
0: We need higher fees in ten years, people, like it or not. But let's talk about B Cash's approach. Bitcoin Cash, excuse me, I'll be respectful. Bitcoin Cash's approach. B Cash is a new implementation. The politically neutral BCH approach. <laughs> God, I fucking love this space. Um, <laughs> Bitcoin Cash. They had a hard fork ten days ago. Uh, yeah, they did. Nothing. Thirty-two gate, thirty-two megabyte but uh, blocks. Op did, codes added.
1: Block size the, in practice, block size didn't change. The limit changed. Practice block size didn't change. Yeah, they're they're nowhere they added near full blocks. Some new op codes that, I mean, d- has anyone even looked to see if they've used any of them in production? I I would be surprised. I mean, Correct? they might have tested them. I would be surprised if anyone was planning on using any. There's, like, random-ass opcodes from early on. There's, like, one or two maybe useful ones, and then a bunch of just, like, the, this useless. Why did you add that?
0: So let's talk about Why is... What would you describe... Like, how would you describe what Bitcoin Cash did, and what are the perceived positives and negatives of that change?
1: <laughs> Oof. Um... I mean, they added a few of these early opcodes, so so a little bit of Bitcoin history, right? So there were a number of additional codes that you can, a number of additional operations you could have done in Bitcoin script in version 0.1, 0.2, 0.3. Turns out there was a bug in a number, or in, I guess, maybe one or two of them, where you could crash nodes because they would eat infinite memory. And so as a result, Satoshi being maybe a bit overly cautious, went through and just disabled a bunch of different opcodes to make sure that there was less attack surface, make sure no uh, no similar attack would happen again in the future. What the the BCH people went and did is they uh, re-enabled a number of those opcodes, and I think they added one or two of their own, but that weren't particularly interesting, in an attempt to say, like, ah, oh, you know, we have more features. They also added uh, something for, uh, potentially for ICO issuing on the BCH network, uh, although with the ICO craze kind of dying down, and also, you know, they have their Ethereum chain, they can have much more advanced programs, or much more simple-to-code programs that, uh, you know, if you want to have a very advanced protocol, it's much you know, maybe an order of magnitude or two, easier to write that on Ethereum than on a Bitcoin style chain. And so, you know, it it remains to be seen whether any of the stuff they did will have any material users. Right? Damn. They they went and added all of these old opcodes that no one had. no one's sitting there like, okay, well, you know, I want to do this protocol, but I need this opcode before I can do it. Right? <laughs> like no one's doing that. No, and it's like and no one's sitting there like, well, you know, I'm I'm trying to issue my ICO on Ethereum and it has like these these rules and I've like written this program in Ethereum code and I I really want to issue it on the BCH chain. That that's the chain I want.
0: Like, no. That <laughs> doesn't exist. But even with that being said, like I've conceded this in the past. Like Bitcoin would not be where it probably it might not be where it is. Bitcoin might not be where it is today without the early evangelicism of Roger Ver and his likes. Like who knows? Like he was That's out true. buying build- billboards. He bought the Bitcoin at the Honey Badger Money billboard. I think, believe in L.A. or something like that. Yeah. Just put it right in the middle of Hollywood. Really brought a lot of positive vibes and like <laughs> vibes. That was a bad word. He brought like some. Po- he brought positive. Uh, no, mi-
1: positive vibes, but definitely some positive uh, yeah. upward adoption.
0: Yeah, he helped. He definitely helped with adoption early on with that being said like this is a uh, you can either die hero live long enough to see yourself become the villain type situation where it's just like if you're looking at a lot like i've i've tried to look at i have looked at this objectively it's just like this doesn't make any sense from a scaling perspective
1: it's not it's not an approach that leads anywhere
0: right it it seems like they're just trying to throw a bunch of bells and whistles in. it's like uh, again like you said satoshi took those opcodes out for a reason to. They were
1: worrying. But more importantly, you know, even if and I haven't actually looked, I assume they did the work to make them more safe. But there's no one is trying to use those. There are things that people are trying to use. There's like the lightning people proposed this uh no input. They've proposed various other things. There's some other protocols people are thinking about some vault stuff. But the like the none of those are the things the BCH folks added. No. It, they they didn't do the engineering work to say like, okay, where can we add real value to this so that it's easier for people to use BCH? Instead, they said, what can we do? Hey, look, here's this thing we can do. Let's do that thing. Yeah, Like, how is that just uninteresting? It's wholly uninteresting. Un- but, I, but I agree with you. Like, Roger, there's a number of folks in the BCH community who got involved in Bitcoin early, were... Big proponents of Bitcoin, you know, made Bitcoin what it is today. But you'll note none of those people are the technical folks who had an understanding of Bitcoin right. at at the technical level. Yeah, they always had a understanding of Bitcoin at the political level, political so. level, social level. You know, whatever it is, they wanted to push Bitcoin, and that's great. But they didn't have that kind of technical understanding of here's how it, here's why it works the way it works, and here's how we can build something that will keep working that way, or outwardly, you know, two users will keep working that way and will remain as secure and also scale better. Mm-hmm. Instead, they just said like, well, that, the. the technical way it worked was working previously. Let's just keep using it that way. I mean, sure, it doesn't scale and we have a ton more users, but let's just keep making it work that way. Right. Like it, a nonsense approach.
0: Yeah, and they're what pisses me off about their arguments is they sometimes, not sometimes, but like they just completely neglect the fact that when they were using Bitcoin like as everyday cash to buy coffee and stuff, there was nobody using the network. Like, there was no demand on the network. Yeah, of, of course fees I mean, were low. Like Yeah, it, it's a nonsense but, like... But with that, oh, but with all, it's a double-edged sword because with that being said as well, like Bitcoin might not be w- where it is without them using it in that way at that time.
1: Oh, totally. I right? I, I think yeah. No, there's and no question. But, but that's I, why that's why the like Lightning stuff has come around. That's why all of these other ideas have come around because the goal is really that people can keep using Bitcoin in the way they were in 2011. And hopefully just as or similarly secure. I mean, recently Bitcoin was horrendously insecure in 2011. <laughs> yeah. It has no miners and not much value to secure and whatever else. But, you know, the goal being let's make it so that people can outwardly, the way they interact, the way their wallet interacts, the way they think they interact with Bitcoin, the way their wallet displays things and and functions looks the same or maybe better than it did back then. But under the hood, you know, th- that's for the technical people to figure out. We have idea- We have a ton of ideas for how to make it under the hood work really awesomely. Let us work on that. Just like the the outward interface can be the same.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see because a lot of people analogize uh, Bitcoin development with like internet protocol development and it's like a sol- social phenomena, I guess, because Bitcoin bitcoin developments like out in the open now we have twitter we have all these communication apps and the plebs can can look in at the at the technical community working on it and comment and i shouldn't have said plebs but non-technical people i would i would be a pleb in that definition um but it's interesting like to see because <laughs> the debate around ip tcp ip um is ip TP, tcp tcp ip usually. tcp ip yeah Um, It was probably much more like technical, it was just probably solely technical people, right? And now, today, Bitcoin Mm -hmm. development, you have shit posters like me hopping in, being like, this doesn't make sense. Totally different, Uh, like decentralized. Two points
1: on that. TCPIP was actually very political. Uh, When it was first created, it was political in the, literally, politics, there were governments involved trying to push different viewpoints and everything, and and it was a shit show. And in fact, TCPIP came around because... The other idea and this other concept of way you were to build a global network, which was being pushed by the biggest political forces at the time, just didn't scale as well. TCP (laughs) IP scaled a hell of a lot better, and it won out in the end.
0: How long did that battle go for?
1: Oh, many years. Many, many years. Uh, I I don't have an exact number, maybe 5, 10, something like that. I mean, it it went for a long
0: time. Um, Yeah, so we learned a bit of history there. All history I was ignorant to. Thank you for teaching us today, Matt. That's why I lo- that's why you're our first that's why repeat I'm here. guest. That's why I'm here. We learn a lot. <laughs> no, but it's interesting being able to like talk shit to protocol devs on Twitter.
1: But but I think to your earlier question about you know why is Ethereum and the Bitcoin community different about whether or not people are second guessing devs? Well, I think that's healthy in in some sense. Sure, you know maybe the developers know more about certain intricate details. But the onus should be on the developers to prove that their ideas are correct and to prove that the changes they want to make are correct. And the Bitcoin community is pretty good about having a bunch of trolls call out devs. And some of them actually have a fucking point.
0: <laughs> Who's your favorite troll?
1: Oh, man. I don't know if I have a favorite troll. You can't name me.
0: But <laughs> who else?
1: Uh, yeah, I've been getting into it, into it with a few people this week.
0: Yeah? But yeah. We won't make you name
1: names. I'm not going to like
0: naming anyone. That's a perfect segue. We're going to stay away from being mean. And get into what you're working on. You're working on helping, I guess you could say in a broad sense, decentralized mining. In a further, yeah. Further I way. mean,
1: that's that's the goal. Uh, so I've been working a bunch recently on thinking about how to take pools and split up pools without splitting up pools. Okay. Just a little <laughs> bit of an oxymoron.
0: Whoa. So what's the, <laughs> current, what's the current problem with mining so, pools right now? So,
1: Right now, you know, mining is super centralized in the Bitcoin network. Uh, It's super centralized in, in fact, all of the cryptocurrency networks, but also in the Bitcoin network. Because, you know, hash power, you know, the people who actually own ASICs and are running the farms, well, that's kind of decentralized, actually. There's a lot of different people who have relatively medium-sized farms. There's a few people who have very large ones, but in total, it's actually a pretty decentralized group. But for profitability reasons and for practical reasons, they all mine on a pool. So if you're someone who has 10 megawatts, 20 megawatts, I visited a farm this weekend that was like 12 megawatts, you just point all of your miners at one pool. And for the purposes of the network, you know, for the purposes of centralization, the pool is the miner. The pool selects the transactions, they could censor transactions, they could choose to selfish mine, they can choose to do whatever they want.
0: So when you say the pool, pool operator. The pool operator. N- describe the, if you will, if you c- could, if you could for for the freaks out there, describe sort of the job of a pool operator and and how they work right now.
1: Yeah, so, so the pool operator kind of tells the miners what to work on, right? So the miners are running these devices, they're trying to create a block, but somehow you have to figure out what the block is going to look like when you start mining, and so that means selecting transactions, You know, you have to find all the transactions on the network. You have to gather them. You have to say, okay, here's a here's a set of transactions that pays the most fees. You have to find what the current chain is and build something on top of the current chain. You have to do. You have to optimize your. Uh, Block propagate. You have to optimize a bunch of stuff. It turns out, you know, if it's not optim, uh, not well optimized, you're going to lose a lot of money. And then, on top of all of that, the job that the pool operators do mostly for these clients is they even out the reward. Right. So if you have one miner who's solo mining on one little box, they're going to find one block every I don't know 10 years, and in the intermediate portion where they haven't found a block they're sitting there paying their power bill every month with no income Mm -hmm. and so you mine on a pool instead and so you get together a ton of people who have small to medium-sized farms you all mine a ton of blocks together the pool receives all the reward and the pool pays out everyone proportional to how much hash power they have now it's important to differentiate these kind of two jobs right so one Mm -hmm. of them is just splitting the reward From the network's perspective, i.e. me as a user of Bitcoin, well, if some pool were to take all of the reward from a bunch of their clients and scam them, I don't care. It doesn't affect me, it affects the miners, and it would be a shame if that resulted in some miners going out of business, but it's ultimately not my problem. If, on the other hand, some pool were to be censoring transactions or selfish mining or performing some attack on the network, which again, they're able to do because they part of their job is to do that work on behalf of their clients, well, that is a problem for me as a Bitcoin user. And so the stuff that I'm working on right now is to kind of split out these two jobs because there's no reason they need to go together. Having the guy with one box in the corner or the person with a 10 megawatt farm, which it turns out is now kind of small, select their own transactions, run their own full node, and use that as the basis for what blocks they're trying to generate it does not necessarily have to go together with the person who's s- splitting the reward.
0: Because it doesn't matter because, again, at the end of the day, an individual miner finds the block. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: At the end of the day, an individual miner is the one who finds the block.
0: It's not like the whole pool together it, finding a block. One. And it
1: pays out to the pool,
0: right? But
1: the individual miner finds the block, it pays out to the pool, and the pool is responsible for divvying up the money, mm-hmm. but they don't have to be responsible for, fin- for generating the block, for actually doing all the, the work of putting together all the transactions, potentially censoring the transactions, potentially attacking the network. Instead, you push that onto the users.
0: So would the pool operator just have to be cognizant of m- many uh, implementations running within the pool. And yeah. The,
1: so yeah. the pool. So instead of the way the pool works now, where the pool runs a full node, you just have the users run their full node, and in fact, it actually works kind of the same today. Either way, you proved to the f- to the pool, like, hey, look, I'm doing work that's paying out to you. That's something they do today. You still do that. And then the pool says, okay, well, I have a bunch of people who proved to me they were paying work, they're doing work, they were were trying to mine blocks that pays out to me. I will accept that as something I should pay out for. Mm -hmm. And you can do that just as easily if the users are running a full node as if the pool is running a full node. It's just a matter of the way things have been done in the past. It's easier to implement
0: if the pool
1: is running the full node than if the miners are running the full node. But we can change that.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like like it's more practical as a default, right? Why isn't it default that way? You said it's easier just to do it.
1: Well, I mean, the biggest kind of roadblock there is a lot of the pool operators are either in a remote location or they just don't have the kind of technical know-how to run and maintain a full node that's properly optimized for mining. running and maintaining a full node at home or for an exchange or for a merchant turns out to be really easy running a full node for mining well you need to optimize things down to the millisecond you have to make sure you have good peers you have to make sure those blocks when you find a block get out to the network within milliseconds i mean really as fast as you possibly can up to the speed of light whereas if you're an exchange if you're a merchant well You get a transaction confirmation one second later than everyone else. You don't care. Like, one second is not going to make or break anything for you. Maybe a half a second. But for a miner, well, a half a second means a lot of money. it's a lot of time. So getting it to the point where you can run this kind of setup where the end users are running full node while it's still optimized for them, and it's really easy for them to do this without necessarily having all the technical know-how that the pools have today is really the roadblock. And so that's been a lot of the work that I've been working on, trying to make sure things are going to be efficient no matter how they misconfigure their full
0: node. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that and working on it. Because that seems like that could be huge for decentralization. Like, how does this help decentralization?
1: Yeah, I mean, I like, personally, I think... You know, we've learned over the last kind of year that the centralization around development and around people decision making, right, making changes to Bitcoin is really not centralized at all. With 2X, with UASF, with BIP 148, all of these things have cemented in the community's mind that no, 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 consensus changes are something to be fought. There's something to be to happen only when the community is behind it. In a broad sense, and that's incredibly powerful, and it's given me a lot of confidence in Bitcoin's long-term trajectory. But mining centralization right now is still really bad.
0: Yeah, that SciTech article is pretty uh, David Vork's article last week or two yeah, weeks I don't ago. Know if I saw that one. He basically went in like the economies of scale that are mm. that are afforded to to bigger miners on the network yeah. are, are ridiculous.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think that's true now. I think it's unclear how true that will remain in the future. There's a lot of economies of discale disc in the power markets, actually. <laughs> Having yeah, exactly. A, being a small-scale miner, if you can sidestep a bit of the economies of scale of just operational complexity, being a small-scale miner with a small amount of power actually has a lot of economies of discale, disc which is really interesting.
0: Let's jump into that. What do you mean by that?
1: Specifically, yeah. you know, you can go to a utility and say, like, "Hey, look, I'm I, I would like one megawatt, or five megawatts, or ten megawatts," and they're going to be much, much, much more willing to work with you than if you show up and say, "Hi, I want a hundred megawatts mm-hmm. or two hundred megawatts." Spe- Interestingly, most utilities in the world, at least out in the Western world are government agencies or partially government-owned or you know, tightly coupled with the government. And as a result, when you show up and you say, hi, I want 100 megawatts and I have no jobs. I'm gonna like hire one guy to watch the farm and that's it? The response is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's either you or the steel smelter who's gonna have 1,000 jobs and as a politician, especially on a local level, it's all about jobs. Yeah. Right? like Every Western politician, their number one concern and number 2 and number 3 and number 4 and number 5 is jobs. Like how do I optimize for jobs in my electorate so I get reelected?
0: They ticker jeeves.
1: Yeah, pretty much that.
0: I had to throw it in there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and so there's economies of the scale in that market, and then there's also economies of the scale just in you know, there's available power that might show up in a location that's there briefly or specifically, power at night is often way cheaper. Right, the, the world uses way more power during the day than at night. And it turns out you can't take an entire power plant and turn it off in like an hour. It takes like a week. And so at night, well, you just have excess power. Like You, you have nothing to do with it. And so it, taking something like that and using that to mine on a medium to small scale is actually very doable.
0: It's Yeah, it's become... It, i've been saying this it doesn't left. exist yet it doesn't exist yet and it's like people are like there's mining centralization it's like yes there is let's concede that yes bitmain was one of the i've said this a bunch of times bitmain was the only few companies to take the risk early on in the days they're being rewarded for that right now but now competition's on the way like the profit motive is there like yeah totally i would i would say bitmain probably set the floor for profit motive like they paved the way to create profit motive, and yeah,
1: and, and you can see with Bitmain, they're they're kind of pivoting into, well, not necessarily pivoting, but definitely spending a ton of time building Asics for all of the random coins, right? not just Bitcoin, everything else, because there is starting to be competition in Bitcoin, and I, I like to say, you know, if if I thought mining centralization wasn't gonna get any, mining decentralization wasn't gonna get any better than it is today, I would have stopped working on Bitcoin a long time ago. Yeah. Because, like, how is Bitcoin in any way interesting if one company or two companies are signing all the blocks? We should just be using PayPal. PayPal works pretty well. And if you want a highly censorable, really shitty for a lot of minorities payment mechanism or really shitty for a lot of people not in the Western world payment mechanism, PayPal is great. And if you have a world where one, two companies control all of the mining power in Bitcoin... That's what you get because some government shows up and says, no, 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 you have to censor this or that or whatever it is. You're and then fucked. they have to. Yeah. And so, like, why would Bitcoin be any more interesting than just using PayPal? And it, it's not. But I think we have a lot of room to play with mining decentralization. You know, I, I'm working on splitting up the pools or at least for the network's perspective, splitting up the pools, which I think is pretty big. Also... You know I mentioned economies of discale in the power markets as that market matures as the Bitcoin mining market matures, which is just, just starting to I mean literally in the last six months it's starting to you know, you, you know now I talk to people getting into Bitcoin mining, and they are people who are energy experts. they're people who are like, yeah, you know, I've been in the energy markets for the last 20 years. I know how to find cheap power, right. Six months ago, that wasn't true. Six months ago, it was like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to get money out of China because I, you know, just want to avoid sanctions and and capital controls. Well, it was very different from what it is today.
0: Now it's like, I want to make some money. And let's start. Can we put the Bitcoin's going to destroy the environment, FUD, to rest?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I admit, I am concerned about where things are going. In the last six months, the percentage of Bitcoin mining that is natural gas has gone up significantly. Um, Now, obviously, compared to China, where a decent chunk of its coal, that's a huge difference, natural gas, way better.
0: And, can I interject? Go for it. From what I've heard. From what I've heard. I would, I would say this is one area where I do know a little bit about the markets in particular because I worked in futures markets and had to follow nat gas markets and sort of know the, the mechanics of it. What I've heard, I'm not sure if this is completely true, but what I've heard from some miners using nat gas specifically is that so when you f- when you do fracking for natural gas, you have uh, basically pipes that come up and they let off excess nat, nat gas. mm mm-hmm. Mostly goes, methane, yeah. Yeah, that just goes into the atmosphere no matter what. Yep. Um. So what I've here is they're just taking that excess neck gas. Oh, that's
1: totally what they're doing, yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's so the burning of it is is the dirty part of it. You would say sending methane to well, I the mean, atmosphere methane
1: is nasty either way. Methane is that's, one of the not- worst greenhouse gases. Also, is, you know, like, I think people say it's an order order of magnitude worse than uh, carbon dioxide.
0: So, what's worse for the environment? Just letting it go to the ozone or burning it?
1: You know, I don't actually know, and I'm kind of curious about this, Um, but. but that said a lot of the a lot of the uh, oil fracking and and also oil like in iraq they have a ton of nat gas that they dump into the atmosphere or burn off a lot of it just gets burned off anyway and they don't generate any power from it because they're in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing to do with the power right and that's true there's a lot of bitcoin miners who are going to very remote locations again economies of scale showing up with one megawatt few megawatts of power and saying look you're fracking oil, you're taking oil out of the ground in some way, and dumping methane into the air or burning it off anyway, we can take that and actually mine Bitcoin with it. Mm-hmm. That that methane, you're just going to have either way. The net gas, you're going to have either way.
0: So, is it a net benefit? In in
1: that context, it certainly is. There are people also who are mining in upstate New York or in Texas off-off just regular grid power, uh, which is a lot of it net gas, which is not necessarily a net benefit because it does create more demand on the grid. Yeah. But that said, again, this is still a fairly young market. You know, I think the concern over global warming of Bitcoin mining is well-founded based on how it works today, but because it is such a market that is so razor thin margin I, eventually, right, because any profit available there is going to be eaten up by someone and that just makes the difficulty go higher which means it: everyone who has slightly higher operating cost gets driven out eventually you end up in a situation where the only way you can make money mining is with power that is free or otherwise unused mm-hmm. and that, that's not to say it won't all be nat gas in fact, uh, you know, nat gas at night Not necessarily net gas, but like coal or other power stations that are used during the day that utilities have to run either way at night, they might just have excess power. And that's something that Bitcoin miners can eat up on interruptible power, only operate at night. Stuff that is literally otherwise going unused, it's going to be generated either way and is completely neutral. Yeah. Or you look at, I mean, West Texas, there's some miners now in West Texas. Well, you know, 20% of West Texas is wind because there's just a ton of wind in West Texas and there's a ton ton of wind to still be created. And you can talk about using mining to equalize the grid so that you can in fact have more wind than the grid operator would otherwise be comfortable with just because you have this highly elastic demand that you know, right now Bitcoin mining is highly inelastic. It just uses the same amount of power 24 seven all the time, but, it could be made highly elastic. You know, They could literally get a phone call from the grid operator and say, okay, we're turning the farm on, or okay, we're turning the farm off, and use exactly the amount of power the grid wants them to use. Yeah,
0: that's what a lot of people are arguing that's going to help level out the grids, which like, I had Joe Looney in here a couple weeks ago, dude started Rare Pepe's, um, outside of Rare Pepe's, he's an electrical engineer at power plants, and he's like, dude, this is going to help like, level off the grids across oh, the world. totally. It, which is a net benefit for the world.
1: I think it could have very positive influences on that market. Right? Which would end up being neutral or almost <laughs> neutral greenhouse gas wise and emissions wise and and, and then global warming wise.
0: I've been spouting this out without like any data behind it, but like just from like a market perspective, it just seems that if bitcoin mi- mining in particular proceeds at the pace that it's on right now and let's hypothetically say they use all fossil fuels. Well, eventually, the demand needed to... Like, the demand forced upon the network by the energy needed to secure the network, the demand for these fossil fuels to be driven so high that the price would be driven up that it would become unprofitable to use them as energy sources. So, like, there's going to be, like, a natural leveling out of, like, economic incentives in, in general. Like, if...
1: Maybe. I mean, there's an interesting question about the way things have gone recently where in the Western world, you've had a kind of decline of manufacturing, right? I I mentioned I was up in upstate New York this weekend, looking at a farm up there that's mined primarily off net gas. It's just the grid power up there is mostly net gas where they had a lot of, they, I guess still have a lot of excess grid power because they've had a lot of like steel smelting and stuff up there, you know, Buffalo area. It was all very industrial And all of that is gone. All of that's (laughs) gone somewhere else in the world where it's cheaper. And now Bitcoin mining is showing up and kind of taking some of those areas where there is excess power and they're considering turning off a plant or maybe not. And Bitcoin mining can kind of take over some of that. But that's just not going to be profitable in the long term. It's, It's very, very profitable right now. But as that market matures. That market is literally designed to only allow people who have the cheapest power to compete.
0: Yeah, fossil fuels are going to get priced out. And fossil fuels are already
1: priced out. Right? Like, what is the cheapest power in the world is hydroelectric and geothermal. Right behind it, if you discount the upfront investment and you have a long time horizon, wind. I mean these things are the cheapest cuz there there's nothing involved like there is no recurring cost. <laughs> no. Like fundamentally it is renewable energy. There's no recurring cost. So of course it's way cheaper to operate once you have a long time horizon. And so these things are going to they will sort themselves out. Right now it's not great. You know, there are there are places that, that Bitcoin is not helping uh, global warming right now, but in the long term if Bitcoin is to succeed and that mining market gets really competitive the way it's designed to and will, obviously, if Bitcoin is to succeed, it sorts itself out.
0: Right? That's why I think the art, like, that's why I hate the media. I'm not a part of the media. If anybody ever calls me a journalist, I'm going to kick you.
1: Yeah, but you run media. You run a media outlet. You run, like, a podcast. That's totally media.
0: <sighs> I don't know. New media, man. New, New media. media yeah. There's a difference. Uh-huh. We're edgier. Uh-huh. Oh, I hate it. Just talking. No, but that's the thing, like, with, like, all the mainstream FUD, like, Bitcoin mining, has got half percent of the world's energy use. Yeah, of so course, like, that's
1: all based on one relatively flawed uh, study. Right? It's like, come on, guys. Okay.
0: We will prevail, though. That's the other thing, like, the incentives are too perfect. Like, Bitcoin doesn't give a shit like, if you're gonna scream.
1: Yeah. Like, like what? Like, and, and if... If anyone reacts to the Bitcoin use of power and says, like, oh, well, this is harming global warming and it's terrible, then the only way to respond to that is to say, well, we're going to, like, tax net gas usage more. Like, and if you are someone who is, you know, more into supporting uh, preventing carbon emissions and whatever, <laughs> cap and trade, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the only possible outcome from people screaming about Bitcoin is, like, cap and trade or whatever regulation in that direction, right? I, I don't mean to prescribe a uh, particular political viewpoint to the people screaming in that direction, but, like,
0: hey, I mean... <laughs> there are other avenues. Yeah.
1: And <sighs> and if you are, uh, you know, uh, if that, that can only have a positive impact on global warming. That's true.
0: So... Um we're about an hour in. I'm gonna go to the Jersey Shore soon. <laughs> Going down to the shore tonight. It's Memorial Day weekend, dude. We're about to start we're about to start fist pumping hard. Um <laughs> what uh other than your mining uh project, what are you most excited about in Bitcoin right now?
1: Lightning becoming usable. Yeah. Are I you, think that's really exciting.
0: What uh what are you seeing there? What are you looking at there?
1: I think a lot of it, it, it's starting to reach the point where it is, you know, it it exists. People are using it. People are trying to use it. And people are finally discovering what the actual problems are. You know, instead of people worrying about like, ah, this is going to be a problem or that's going to be a problem, turns out most of the things people scream about are not actual problems. But people are finally using it in a way where, like, okay, well, we can discover what the actual problems are, and let's discuss how to solve those problems. Let's figure out, you know, you know, whatever the problems are. Let's let's figure out what the <coughs> actual problems are.
0: What what's one of the biggest actual problems right now? <laughs>
1: I mean, I can't say I you I follow it that closely. Okay. Um, but the. There are issues just with reliability of a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, reliability has improve, improved greatly. When, when we kind of first started, it was a lot of nodes that would go offline and only stay online for a brief period of time, and that obviously doesn't help reliability. Now that has improved a little bit, but then also now people are lo- staring down the barrel of like mobile apps and trying to figure out how to make it work on mobile and working on some of the scalability issues with or or privacy issues also with uh, watchtowers and and having these servers that help you if you're not online when you need to be, when something bad happens on the chain, you need to generate a transaction. And talking about fee prediction and and predict... One of the problems in Lightning is you have to predict what the fees are going to be in the future for some of the transactions you create. And so they actually came out with this proposal recently... uh, it's an old proposal, but they've kind of rejuvenated it and, and designed a new style lightning around it, uh, called SigHash No Input, which, to some extent, sidesteps the issue of having to predict what fees are going to be in the future, which is obviously kind of a hard problem. You don't know whether the price is going to be spiking.
0: whether You don't know what Black Swan events are going to happen. You don't know.
1: <laughs> you just you you, know, you don't you can't predict a market. I mean, that'd be crazy, right? If you could predict a market, you could make a lot of money and And so they have a number of these things where they're issues they're actually looking at and saying, like, "Okay, well, let's figure out how to address these.
0: yeah, it's interesting to see the lightning network evolve. what's it at like uh twenty one bitcoin I think it ble-
1: something like that yeah
0: um and real money, real money, and a lot of notes too, right like yeah, a ton more than more than b c h from what I hear almost certainly <laughs> it's
1: not that many people who run bch um
0: <laughs>
1: did you see the uh, uh this is his name udi uh managed to get a tweet on CNBC read on Fast cnbc Party. by uh brian, brian kelly
0: oh God. Uh, what was the tweet the tweet was something like, it was like uh do you actually when like have you actually ever used bch as a transactional currency he's like well actually no <laughs>
1: <laughs> well actually no one ever has oops wait shit
0: txhighway.cash look it up very fun <laughs> website if you're ever bored questioning <laughs> whether or not it's hilarious. questioning whether or not bitcoin cash might have uh any validity it was behind it, it
1: was designed to be like oh look at bcash we're so awesome we have like this really <laughs> wide highway and like the bitcoin hat chain has like very few and then actually, things just didn't work that way. And turns out there's no transactions on their really wide highway. None at all. And it's hilarious. It that also, backfired. turns out that the regular Bitcoin chain, because of price depression and various other things, doesn't have <laughs> enough transactions to fill the blocks either. Right. And so the the site is just hilarious because it's like designed to show off Bcash, and it's like, well. Actually, they just kind of look the same. You just look like you built a really wide highway. For no reason.
0: We I can jump into like there's there's levels to this shit, freaks. <laughs> the, the BCH team's terrible at memeing. Bitcoin's got smarter memers. That's what you want on your side in the meme wars.
1: We, we have smarter memers, but they have simpler arguments. They're really good at having the like sound bitey arguments.
0: Uh, BCH. Yeah. Like what?
1: I mean very the um most of their scaling arguments, the like Bitcoin angle of well, we're gonna build all of these systems on top that are going to provide really efficient scaling but also are gonna have these other weird trade offs that we think are very manageable, but we have to build all these other things to deal with them. That's the bitcoin argument the b c h argument as well we're gonna increase the block size and then the fees are gonna go down. <laughs> Turns out that's a way simpler argument for people to understand and like, just kind of
0: go with. Right. Turns
1: out politicians are just way more effective when they have sound bites.
0: Right. That's true. I think the memes will win out over the sound bites over the years.
1: Eventually. I mean, it seems to be. Like, BCH isn't going anywhere. Right. They're like, hey, we did this hard fork during consensus week and no one really noticed. I don't know why they did that. It was bad scheduling.
0: Terrible scheduling. And this is actually something I've been telling people in private. It's just like, so, I don't really want to talk about it like just don't talk about it. it's not worth it it's just
1: uninteresting right it's very uninteresting it's like fake toshi (laughs) new (laughs) new zatoshi saying there's a new one there's a new satoshi claimer in the world really he's even worse though he's even dumber. what's his name i don't remember his name i've been calling him new zatoshi because he's a new zealander really some new zealand i don't know Jesus Christ. He, he's really dumb, though. He like <laughs> he wrote this whole like fanfic about how he created the Bitcoin logo, except it was like well documented someone else created the Bitcoin logo. Like what the fuck? And then he went on the. He wrote this whole long fanfic about he and how he and uh, Craig Wright created Bitcoin, and then Craig Wright was like, "No, this guy's dumb. Why is he <laughs> like? I'm running my scam here. He's gonna make me look bad. Like, stop trying to in stop trying to intrude on my scam, man. Oh my
0: god, <laughs> so bad. There's scammers everywhere, freaks. They're coming oh after god. your Bitcoin. Did you see Craig Wright at the African summit? I have more money than your country. <laughs> that was the most <laughs> ridiculous soundbite I've heard in a while. Also,
1: he doesn't. He like, has Calvin Ayer's money, and he didn't raise that much.
0: Just like the balls to look a country. <laughs> to like, be he's at a random conference
1: and be like, <laughs> yo, I right have you. more money than your country. Fuck you, bro. <laughs> I, don't, you, I think he was like, I don't give a shit
0: what you think. I have more money than your whole country. I was like, whoa. You fucking freak.
1: The reality is he fucking doesn't either. Yeah. He had to run from Australia because of tax evasion. Yeah, like, he, he can't l- even go. He's a fucking one. One <laughs> <like, what? laughs>
0: can't even go back to his home country. For fuck's sake. Uh, he looks like he's in a. He looks like he's like in a in a downward spiral. He's he's in a very
1: fast downward spiral.
0: Every. Everything that comes
1: out about him recently has been like someone calling him out somewhere and him getting so pissed off. Yeah,
0: who called him out uh, in Taiwan the other oh, day? Uh, um, Jack
1: Liao, the uh, Bitcoin Gold guy. <laughs> Bitcoin Gold, I And Lightning Asic and various other things.
0: Didn't uh, Bitcoin Gold get attacked this week too?
1: Yeah, yeah. Bitcoin Gold also had a problem this week. Yeah, I think uh, they got 51% attacked as well. Turns out these tiny random altcoins don't have any security. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed?
0: <sighs> well, like we were saying earlier, be careful out there, freaks. If you got fat bags of low hash power altcoins, they're susceptible to hacking. Yeah. And uh, you, can get, your, you can get your coin stolen. I don't know which one in particular it will be. But I expect there will be more of these because the ICO money is gone. Um, back on the, back on the Bitcoin what um are you more bullish are you more bearish than when we last met in December how do you let's go back to like this last six months I know we touched on it in the beginning but let's dive into it in earnest like I feel like the people that were new in like September and November have just like got kicked in the dick and they're like realizing like holy shit what is this new world I was talking with such certainty three months ago and none of it turned out to be true yeah, there's a lot of those people, <laughs> multi coin. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: they they still talk uncertainty. They don't. Uh, they haven't learned anything. The, I, you know, I I wouldn't say that. I think last time we met, I might have been a, a little bit bearish. Uh, and yeah. and who
0: came in and were like, yeah, Bitcoin has a five percent chance of succeeding.
1: I think it still has a five percent chance of succeeding, but that's very different from the market. It's very different from the price. Yeah. You know, okay. Success in my definition, is building the thing I want to see, right? I I want to see this decentralized alternative to the current financial system that people can use if they're in Venezuela or if they're a marijuana dispensary or if they're, you know, whatever it is, if you need it, it's there. It's this backstop that provides this alternative for people. Whereas the market can go very, very high and would probably even go higher if bitcoin were to fail by my definition. <laughs> right? Just kind of sad. But all that to say, you know, I, I think I I was probably more bearish last time I was on. But I think there's definitely, you know, I, I I said that I would be very happy for the price to be kind of on a downward slope for a while. And I think that's kind of where we are to some extent right now. The price has been bouncing back and forth, but it's definitely ripe in people's minds as this $15,000, $20,000 Bitcoin that we're nowhere near. In fact, we're not even at 10K. Right? We haven't touched 10K. Maybe we... No, Maybe, maybe touch not 10K in a couple it, months. Not, not in no. a while. And, and I think that that's very healthy, you know. I think obviously right now there's a lot of people who are still very much into the hype. They're very into the, oh, yay, Bitcoin, yay, ICOs, yay, cryptocurrencies. Clearly this is a market we need to be in. But also if this kind of thing continues for six months, whether it touches 10K or not, if it doesn't hit 20K, if it doesn't go on this like 10X upward spiral like it did last time, then there's going to be a lot of people who kind of to some extent lose interest and reality will set back into the market. And I think that's very, very healthy for a market like this. Whatever I think the upside is, whatever I think the possibility for awesome alternate financial system and whatever value that might carry with it in 20 years, if the entire community or people who bought in because of hype – that won't happen, no. Because they're just there for the hype.
0: We've gotten this far because of the grassroots movement of people truly passionate about this technology, working on it and for idealist. I don't want to say idealistic, but uh, oh, idealistic. idealistic. That's the right yeah. word. Yeah. that's the right word. Idealistic values, and that's why I work on it. That's true, but well, let's let's comment on this because I feel like. As people like, this is one thing we talk a lot about on this podcast is the cycles of like, you come in, it's like, you find Bitcoin. It's like, holy shit, this one's better. It's going to be the next Bitcoin. Let's buy it. Like, then you find the platforms like, dude, it's going to take off so much more value than all Bitcoin. Let's get into this. You get your dick pushed in a couple of times, you get confused or like dazed in the boxing ring, like what the hell's going on? And then eventually people I'm finding are like circling back to Bitcoin and whether or not they came with this sort of idealistic vision that we were talking about a few seconds ago, I feel like, I don't know, I was talking about this with Jameson, too, converting. I feel like people are converting, like, are starting to see the reason why we are interested in Bitcoin um, a little bit at a time. Um, but it is a process. It takes some time.
1: Yeah, I mean. Are you seeing
0: that, Matt?
1: I think there's, and I don't want to call him out. Uh, but there's a guy who's been at our office for the last few months. Uh he is kind of is temporarily in our office. He's kind of a volunteer for a few months due to some unique circumstances. He he has a job somewhere but he can't start for a while. And he's been interested in cryptocurrency for a long time. He's been like trading, he's like a trader. He's been like trading random altcoins and like following that space. And he has said repeatedly over the last kind of month that having spent a few months at Chaincode he realizes that the like bitcoin community spends maybe an order of magnitude or two more effort thinking about all of these nuances of how we build something that's going to last for 50 years than any other community. And if you're in one of these communities for 10 years, if you really are spending the time digging really deep into some of this stuff, you eventually realize this. You eventually realize that, like, oh, well, the Verge developer, the Verge community is just a bunch of people screaming, no, 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 this attack is FUD, I mean, sure, they, like, stole a few million dollars, but it's FUD, it's it's totally bullshit. And the Ethereum community is like, no, 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 we're going to have sharding and we're going to have proof of stake and we're going to have this and that and this and that. We're going to clobber together all of these things and eventually it will be secure and stable and it'll be great. But the Bitcoin community is a bunch of people saying, well, you know, we don't really know how to solve this problem. It's a hard problem. It turns out scaling is hard. We have some ideas. We have this lightning thing. It, It... probably provides us a few orders of magnitude more than we have today it might not scale all the way to like visa levels we're probably gonna have a lot of people who use bitcoin banks you know there's trade-offs here you know switching a bunch of people to lightning it does have trade-offs we think those are really great trade-offs for the vast majority of people but there are trade-offs you compare that to all of these other things where it's just like pure noise it's like ah pump 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 <laughs> right? pump the value woo make more money also let's exit now because we don't actually give a shit about this exactly eventually if you're really in the space if you're really digging deep into it and it's your full-time job or maybe your full-time hobby you kind of figure this out after a while and there are people who've slowly starting to come around now we got a ton of people who got really into bitcoin the last six to 12 months and it'll take them a year or two yeah but that's why i like this like little price spiral downward thing look if we hit like five thousand dollars if we just chill at five four three thousand dollars bitcoin for a while all of the people who got in the last few months are eventually going to realize this right and And then when we hit the next spike, there's going to be an even bigger community of people who are like, no, I actually understand what's going on here. I understand hype. I understand pumps. I understand pump and dumps. And I understand technical limitations.
0: Exactly. It takes time.
1: No one actually knows where the future of all this stuff goes.
0: No. But so this is the mission I'm on is trying to help people fly through this cycle faster than I did. It took me a few years. I'm not technical at all. It Takes everyone a while. I, it took me like probably like mid two th- like I got in like late two thousand twelve, early two thousand thirteen, and it took me a few years to sort of realize. It's
1: all right, I got in twenty eleven. I didn't <laughs> buy any for many years. <laughs> right? It's like I should be retired. I should be a billionaire. Instead, I'm sitting here working for a living. You're
0: sitting here talking to me. Uh, the fucking after hours of the we, we.
1: yeah i like i have to in order to get beer i have to show up on a podcast i <laughs> <laughs> can't even buy my own beer it's a shit show
0: but it takes time but and getting back like is there so that's like i don't want to say the mission i'm on but and who am i to make decisions for people and say hey you're probably going to learn these lessons this is what i've learned maybe my lessons are wrong who knows but i don't believe they are what I'm getting at is there do you think what could be done better to help people sort of realize this out of the gate? Like is there is it an educational piece is it is there a big event need to happen like an enron situation we're on the all, all coins work. I, uh,
1: yeah, I mean a big event would help. I mean certainly you know a verge, you know, maybe something in the top 10 cryptocurrencies you know, by market cap, you know, arbitrary metric, but something that is considered a stable large cryptocurrency Having such a bug that it gets delisted from exchanges, mm-hmm. right. Ver- the v- Verge was a good example this this last week and a half. It had major, major flaws. Just like the, the entire thing is a shit show, and yet the value stayed kind of stable. Most exchanges, I'm not aware of any exchanges delisting it. Having something like that happen, where exchanges actually delisted with a value just gets destroyed, people would learn something. Yeah. Now, absent that, which I think is maybe slightly unlikely or I wish it were more likely, having more education I think definitely helps. Having more people who've been around. One of the problems in this space right now is just there are so many new people. The vast, vast, vast majority of people in the space are brand new in the last six months, let alone the last year, let alone the last five years. Yeah having more education, having more people who've been around for a while, who've seen the last four different generations of types of scams in the space, explain their viewpoint and say, look, you know, here's what I've seen happen. There's a lot of creative scammers. Here's some of the tactics they've followed previously. And now, I mean, you look at some of the people who are involved in some of the biggest ICO scams now, they're literally the same people <laughs> who I. were there in 2020 eleven, twenty twelve, (laughs) twenty thirteen. Like literally the same Ah. people. And they're still raising absurd amounts of money.
0: Right? I think EOS has five billion (laughs) dollars somebody's five (laughs) billion with a B.
1: Yeah, with a B. We'll see how much of that is actual money because they had they they have this like whole scheme are they laundering money? Fucking scam. No, no, no. Fucking scammers. Like they had this whole scheme that allows them to take money that was previously invested in them and make it look like they have more investment. It, I mean like all of this stuff is very patent like great scam tactics. It's right. Great. It it makes it look like they have 5 billion dollars. They probably have hundreds of millions at a minimum, but they might not have 5 billion. And yet everyone repeats that number, which makes everyone have FOMO, which makes everyone say like, oh my god, fucking EOS. Clearly it's worth a shitload the markets were valuing it. That's so much. I, sh- I should buy some EOS, right?
0: Have you seen the Parallax animations on their website?
1: I, I know, the Parallax animations. They're... God, they have such a nice website. Clearly I should buy it. Wait, hmm, maybe that's a fucking scam. The future is here. I think that the trick is uh, if the website looks good, it's a scam, right? The website looks good. It's probably a scam.
0: Some of the best sites in the world look like shit. You ever been on Craigslist? It's literally <laughs> just HTML. It is blue links.
1: Garbage site. This is <laughs> the worst design ever. But it's a good it,
0: site. Is it? I, I would argue it's not a bad design. It's bad aesthetically, but UX wise, it's pretty. It's a pretty good site. Uh, yeah, that's true. You can true. go and find what you need in three clicks.
1: Yeah, then that's true. That's true.
0: But there is beauty. I found so many apartments there. Right. And there's beauty in the simplicity of just the plain HTML.
1: And terrible aesthetics. (laughs) Terrible Terrible aesthetics.
0: No, that goes, I mean, terrible or good aesthetics, maybe that's a good heuristic to use going forward. Like, maybe if these people are focusing more on how the, the optics of their website looks, maybe they're not really caring about the tech.
1: Entirely not caring about the tech. But... I mean anything that the market reacts to, anytime the market decides, oh, this is the thing we should put more money into, the scammers find a way. Scammers find a way to take that and optimize for that. Whatever that is. Right. I think if that's... the market says like, oh, you know, actually terrible website is probably a sign of good tech, so we should invest in terrible websites. That'll happen. The scammers will have the worst <laughs> websites. They will they will find a way to build worse websites than we can possibly imagine.
0: There's scammers everywhere. It's the theme of tonight's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, scammers. Ah, uh, what else could we talk on? I'm not done riffing. We got one more beer to finish here. Uh, yeah, let's jump in the crypto week. Let's jump in the blockchain <laughs> New York City week. All right. You so see, you only went to Bitdevs and the cranking. I, thing. I went
1: to the cranking. I went. I went to one party. I I did one night of blockchain week bullshit insanity. I went to. Got home at six in the morning. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we got we left the bar at like four thirty. Yeah, Yo, you
0: crypto bro. <laughs> bro. You're bringing a bad name bruh. to the space, bro.
1: Brah. we're at the strip club three nights a week, bra.
0: Yeah, dude, we are going to this burlesque show. <laughs> My favorite quote from that week, I think it was Business Insider. The one woman who wore, it. I don't know whose after party it was, but one of the lines in she was quoting some girl that she met, some some crypto, bra, Brah? Brah. Some some crypto basic batch, excuse me. Uh and was like, if I give you a little bit of coke, will you promise not to write about it? <laughs> 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 wrote about it right away. <laughs> no shit. My favorite line of the week. Shout out, that's, I believe. That's impressive. Zo Zoe from uh maybe Zoe from uh Business Insider. Shout out. Incredible wow, line.
1: That's that's actually uh that's a good article. Yeah, the uh the week tends to be insane. Uh I Almost entirely successfully avoided all of the events. Uh, the I went to the coin center dinner, which is like, you know, coin center is a great organization, they support having good legal protections in the space. Uh, yeah, I think they go too far sometimes, but but
0: I was actually thinking about this the other night. Sorry to interject, but uh. Coin Center is like the Palestinian chicken episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm at the end, where Larry has to choose between the Jewish deli and the Palestinian chicken. It's like, ah, ah, Because on one half, I believe Coin Center has Bitcoin and cryptocurrency's interest the best at heart. And they're really putting a good effort forward to make sure.
1: And they're very effective at what they're doing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day just ruffle some feathers because it's like this is decentralized like who are these people to speak on behalf yeah of blockchain I mean, and bitcoin I think, in particular you
1: know? yeah I, I think they also uh they also have a tendency to be very pro let's have the market figure it out let's have all the scams be completely legal you know let 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 the scams run their course and eventually the market will figure it out which was definitely my viewpoint a number of years ago over the course of the last few years seeing the scams run their course i don't know if that's my viewpoint anymore but certainly there's no question coin center is very effective at getting especially in the us dc mm-hmm. to not crack down on cryptocurrency not make bitcoin illegal not make ethereum illegal not make icos illegal and that's 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 very, you know, that, that is definitely something the space needs. The space has not had, uh, the space doesn't have anyone else fighting for it in DC. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the Coin Center people would be the first to point out that I, I go head to head with them a number of times and <laughs> criticize their approach a number of times. But I, there's no question that there's someone absolutely worth supporting Yeah, because we don't have anyone else and they're really good at what they do yeah i whether, mean mirage
0: is the best memer in the world <laughs> <laughs> we well, need to keep paying well, his salary well, well memes are not the, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what uh, they pay him for right uh, I, I think he has an actual job he just also happens to do memes um uh, you know it, they're, they are very effective at what they do and, and lob, as lobbyists go, they are really smart people who really know who to talk to and really know how to make things happen and that's that's great. So all that to say, Sorry, I went to the Beauty Coin Center.
0: Sorry, Beauty On.
1: <laughs> Aw.
0: So, getting uh, into the Coin Center uh, dinner. So
1: so I went to the Coin Center dinner, which I think was good. It's, it's a charity event. It's a charity dinner. You go and like whatever. But, Last year, the Coin Center dinner was like, you know, I knew maybe a quarter of the people there, half the people there. It was a reasonable-sized group. It was great. You know, I got to see some you know people in cryptocurrency who, a few people who I, I hadn't seen in a while. It was great to go. This year, oh my god, probably 10x bigger than it was last year. looked like an I event. Knew, I knew, like, maybe 5% of the people there. If that not even close... There's so many people who got in in the last six months, last year, who don't know anything about <laughs> cryptocurrency, frankly, <laughs> right. but are like, you know, they, they got in, and they're like, oh, this is really cool, we should support Coin Center, which, I mean, hey, at least they managed to find the, like, one good advocacy organization to support, but, like, I, I don't know who they are, and they have, like, strange viewpoints. And I think that was maybe the theme of Blockchain Week this year. Like, okay, sure. Coindesk and Blockchain Week is targeted at people who are brand new, don't know anything about the space.
0: Willing to pay three grand for a ticket.
1: Willing to pay some absurd amount of money to hear about blockchain, something or other, from people. And th- th- that's their target market. But there's no question that this year the theme for me was oh my God. Look at how many people got interested in the space in the last six months. Don't know anything, and just like threw money into diversified cryptocurrency portfolio, <laughs> and are now trying to figure out what the fuck they just invested in.
0: No, it was interesting to see. Uh, that's why I actually love Blockchain Week because I never buy a ticket to Consensus or any of the events, yeah, and I now. just go to the after parties and talk to cool people I've met online.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did manage to have lunch with a few interesting people. I managed to have drinks with a few people I hadn't seen in a while. You know, it is useful in that a lot of people come to New York. Yeah. But it's certainly not useful to go to any of the conferences to talk to people, aside from just, you know, reaching out to your network and saying, like, hey, who's in town? Let's Let's get a drink. Let's get coffee. Let's get lunch.
2: Yeah.
0: I had a fun week. I didn't go out that much either. I did bit devs. I love bit devs. Bit devs is great. How to support you.
1: BitDoves is by far the best technical meetup around Bitcoin in the in the world.
0: In the world. In the world, no question. I'm that lucky that I get to go to the most technical. The, the
1: fucking, like, I spoke to probably four or five people that that night who said, "Wow, this is the best meetup I've ever been to." And people who like literally spend their time traveling the world going to Bitcoin meetups who are like, "Wow, this is the best meetup I've ever been to." It's
0: because it's well moderated. It's no bullshit. Let's yeah. fucking talk about these pull requests. It is. That.
1: Incredibly technical. Right? Like, I, I don't recommend it for oh. someone to get into it. Like, oh, I just got into Bitcoin. I'm going to go to BitDevs. Yeah, you know, come to the end of BitDevs and come to the drinks afterwards. There's a lot of really nice people who will explain anything you want to know about Bitcoin. You can ask dumb questions all night long, and there'll be a bunch of really drunk people who will answer your questions, and they'll love it. BitDevs is very technical. You know, they try to make it accessible, and they do a decent job, but... If you are brand new, you don't know much about the tech. It's gonna be
0: way over your oh, head. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I've been going to that meetup for like three years now. It's still way over my head. Um, but like I said earlier, I have to get to the Jersey Shore. My wife's about to come pick me up. Um, do you have a parting note for the freaks out there?
1: Parting note. Parting note. You know, let's let's focus on building a Bitcoin for ten years from now and ignore everything else. Put on the blinders, say, look, Bitcoin has centralization issues today. Let's be honest. And let's say, all right, let's build the tech that is going to make Bitcoin decentralized five years from now, ten years from now. And, you know, if people are worrying about scams and building scams and building random ICOs that might or might not ever go anywhere, let them do that. Let's focus on actually building something real. Because I didn't get into this to build random ICO scams and pump and dump schemes and market manipulation and crazy ass token sales and whatever the fuck. I got into this to build an alternate financial system for people who need it. So let's build that.
0: I love and let's ignore all of the other lo- fucking bullshit. No, I love that you pulled in the Jimmy Iovine quote i don't know if you saw that the dr dre documentary Mm-mm. jimmy ivine his producer there's like the most incredible quote from that whole series is he's like if you're going to be successful put on the blinders you got to be like a racehorse mm-hmm. put on your blinders don't care about what any other protocol or anybody else is doing you will be successful if you just focus on yourself yeah. i love that parting note, matt it's always incredible thank you thank, thank you for, for coming me. by thank you for coming by again i'm about to pee myself though <laughs> Peace and love, freaks. Cheers. <laughs> 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 Is
1: right that there. for an ending? Uh... <laughs>
2: right. <Hey. laughs>